The Gaily Prophet operates under the assumption that you have read the books. If you haven't read the books, go and read them. They're wonderful. And then come back to us. Otherwise, you're going to be spoiled. And that's your choice in this world. Gay people love puns. I'm dead. <laughs> we have to stop this podcast. Oh, this book causes Satanism. What is left for us to rant about? There is nothing straight about plum velvet. <laughs> you shouldn't have been drinking when I said that. <laughs> Monocles are impractical, but hot. I don't for a second believe that she is a straight person. I mean, I'm definitely here for bisexual Minerva McGonagall. Let's talk about Harry Potter. <laughs> Hello. Before we get into this week's episode, I am just here to talk to you about a few things. One is that we just want to say thank you to everyone for the beautiful conversation that has been taking place over on our Instagram stories about people's responses to Hagrid being trans and sharing your favorite moments with us, like the ways that this theory, this fact is reshaping the way that you're engaging with the text it's really beautiful and we're just like really excited about it so thank you to everybody who went over there and shared with us um just because that story engagement isn't prompting anymore doesn't mean that you can't keep sharing feel free please to send us an email at thegailyprofit at gmail.com if you would like to tell us more about your feelings about that and also, in case you missed it, in case you aren't following us on socials, the comic that came out for last week's episode, so it came out just on Saturday a couple days ago, it's incredible, you guys. Like, it is a thing of beauty, and I don't think I will ever be able to look at it enough. So if you somehow miss that, run like pause this podcast right this second and scurry over to either one of our social platforms we are at the gaily prophet at instagram facebook and twitter or just hop over to our website which is thegailyprophet.com because it is just like it makes my whole heart so warm and it's gonna make your heart so warm and it's just really it's just really lovely The last thing is, speaking of sending us emails, um, on March 24th, we will be recording our season recap episode. So that's going to be a conversation about the whole book and sort of the insights that we've gained through talking about the book. We're going to be talking about it from the perspective of tarot, but you don't need to know anything about tarot to enjoy it. It's going to be really great, but also part of that episode is going to be us talking to you all about things that you've talked to us about. So comments and questions that we've received from you, we're going to address those as part of that episode. And so if you have anything that you've been wanting to say, anything that you feel like we should have thought about but didn't, anything that you feel extremely excited about, send us an email at thegailyprofit at gmail.com. You can also leave us an Instagram DM, however you want to get in touch. We definitely want to hear from you. We have gotten some like really awesome feedback from folks, both positive and excited feedback, and also like folks who've been like, hey, 
you really like failed to take into account some serious stuff and I wish that you would have and we really really appreciate comments like that and we're really excited to engage with that kind of feedback so please do feel welcome and invited to share with us when you have feelings yeah so I'm gonna shut up now and hope that you enjoy participating in the co-opting of the word zaddy from the straights and using it for the queers as we have publicly endorsed in this episode and with that all right all right all right all right great yeah hello and welcome to The Gaily Prophet, a podcast where two queer IRL witches reread Harry Potter and talk about it. I am America's favorite Griffin dandy, Lark Malachi Gray. And I am Griffin Dyke extraordinaire, Jesse Blount. And today we're going to be talking about only one chapter, uh, chapter 15, The Forbidden Forest, because we have a lot of feelings about this chapter. <laughs> Yeah, there's just too much information to talk about more than one thing. It would be two two-hour episodes if we talked about two, the next two chapters at the same time. <laughs> All right, so for those of you not following along, what happens in the Forbidden Forest is Harry and Hermione, having forgotten the invisibility cloak after seeing Norbert off, get caught by Filch, and... Poor brave Neville gets caught by McGonagall, uh, also out of bed late at night. Um, the point system makes them social outcasts because they lose a fuck ton of points. So that's cool. Um, their detention is inexplicably in the forest where Lord Voldemort is killing unicorns and we meet some hot astrology obsessed uh, centaurs. There we go. I did a, a trickling tear, listeners, when Jesse talked about what happened to Neville. So. <laughs> it's so unfortunate. I, like, just... there, I have an entire thing in the politics section that just says Neville. <laughs> like, I really, I have a couple of my Neville things are in the front page. That's fine. I just put all of mine in politics because everything about him makes me so sad that it feels political. <laughs> that is fair. Um, Neville is definitely a better friend than like Harry literally deserves. I know. It's so true. Anyway, we start this newspaper off with today's headlines. Hogwarts detention policy shocks parents. Horrifying information surfaces about punishment tactics used at Hogwarts after four first years are nearly murdered in the Forbidden Forest. It's just, it's, ca- it's, like, it's called the Forbidden Forest. It's the not even forest. funny this week. They're just upsetting. <laughs> it's it's like, literally, literally called the Forbidden Forest. I know. Like one of the most memorable things, at least for me, um, from listening to Witch Please is when they first talk about the Forbidden Forest and Marcel and Hannah both just take like five minutes going, that place is super forbidden. It is so <laughs> forbidden. <laughs> like, that is so accurate. They nailed the forbiddenness of this place real good. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's turn to 
the front page where we talk about everything that doesn't belong in other sections of the newspaper. Do you want to go first? How could they have forgotten the cloak is an excellent question. Ugh. (laughs) Because plot. It's the only reason. Right, exactly. I love how McGonagall thinks that the dragon story is like totally made up, which is so much better than her knowing the truth, because I'm sure that's like 20 different like international laws they just broke. So really, it's so weird that she thinks it's made up, though, because it's like so entirely believable from Hagrid that he would have first years offload a fucking illegal dragon for him. Like, I feel like if I was McGonagall and Draco was like, Hagrid had a dragon and Harry's giving it to Charlie's friends at the top of the tower. She'd be like, God damn it, Hagrid. (laughs) Like, Yeah, that's probably real. I mean, I think if this had happened in book three, McGonagall would have totally believed it. But I think she maybe doesn't totally know what Harry and Hermione are quite capable of yet. So I think it makes sense that she just thinks that that they're trolling Malfoy. Um, I think McGonagall will never make this this mistake again, though. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like she would be like, Harry, why? Right. Yep. Um, McGonagall says that she's, like, never seen such behavior out of a student. But I'm like, did she not ever catch the marauders out of bed at night, which they were literally doing constantly? Oh, shit. You're gone. Technology curse alert. Jesse. Hello? Yeah? Hey. The last thing I heard you say was, but did she? And I assume that it followed up with, forget about the Marauders and the Weasley twins. Uh, But you you Yeah, basically. Okay, cool. (laughs) That's a very good point. I don't know. What is going on in my internet? I don't know. But yeah, basically. (laughs) Okay, cool. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, you're right. That's... It's a very silly thing for her to have said because, of course, she's seen such behavior out of students. I mean, Fred and George literally still go to this school. Right. Also, the fact that the twins were giving Harry the cold shoulder about losing points is the most hypocritical thing that I've read about the twins. I'm like, really? Really, bro? Really? Yeah, it seems like no one has ever lost quite so many points all at once before. But I don't know. Yeah. Uh, That is one of the things that's on my list to talk about here, which says the team just starts calling Harry, quote unquote, the seeker. And I just wrote, (laughs) brr. It's like so fucking chilly. (laughs) I know. Oh, gosh. So mean. So McGonagall's, like, walking around school at night is very dangerous, especially right now, which I thought was curious because, like, what is... Nothing has been happening. I mean, that troll got in. Oh, that's true. But it's been, like, a lot of months since the troll. School's almost over, and that was in October. Maybe McGonagall's on edge because all this weird-ass shit is happening and Dumbledore decided to literally have a very valuable magical item, the stone, a dangerous magical item, the mirror, and a goddamn three-headed dog hanging out in one of the corridors. I'm sure she's just like, what the fuck is happening? That's fair. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yep. Um, when, just keeping on McGonagall for a second here, when she <laughs> is like, whatever she says, don't tell me what I can and can't do, Potter, etc., etc. She, I, like, I wrote in all caps in my book, Daddy. <laughs> 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 me and McGonagall are having a time right now. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to lie. It is pretty hot. Like just her it's just so being hot. so like, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. I want her to just put on that top hat. Come tell me what to do. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh. So what do you have next? <laughs> I'm blushing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't think there's anything to be embarrassed about uh, talking about how really hot McGonagall is. I mean, I'm not embarrassed. I just am like (laughs) self-conscious or something. Also, this is only Molly off topic, but the phrase like zaddy with a Z in front of it. Yeah. I'm like very upset that it's not a queer thing and I really want queers to co-opt that from straight people. Really I think quickly. they have been. Okay. I've seen it happening. Cuz Daddy just, just seems poured tea like... all over my equipment. It's okay. <laughs> Everything's fine. Yeah, I'm like because like definitely McGonagall's a zaddy in this scene. I'm just like, yes. Just mm-hmm. or, Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Just in general. <laughs> just like feel like we just need to make a gif of me fanning myself and thinking about McGonagall. <laughs> oh my god, we do. <laughs> McGonagall's top top zaddy of this book. Right. Anyway, anyway, <laughs> anyway. Uh yeah, what's your what's your next? Just that, you know. All of the centaurs are being like, Mars is bright tonight is very, like, not subtle since, like, Mars is the god of war. And I'm pretty sure that, like, seeing that, like, astrology-wise is about, like, strife and war and conflict and stuff. Yeah, I kind of feel like Hagrid was being extra intentionally dense. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, maybe Hagrid just doesn't care about astrology, so. That's true. Though, to in Hagrid's defense, they really could have provided a fuckload more useful information than just Mars is bright tonight. This is so. also true. This is also really true. Actually, I have a bit about that in the politics section. Okay, I think I just put all the centaur shit together in the health and science section, which my note on that is just these fucking guys. <laughs> come on could you not be more useful i will say though that ferenz told harry so much more information than he's literally gotten from anyone any other adult all year oh except for hagrid inadvertently quote unquote inadvertently (laughs) um okay i want to talk about that more later but really quick we need to check in about how we're saying this centaur's name do they say ferenz in the movies uh I think so. Because I'll roll with that. It's a city in Italy, which is pronounced Firenze, which is how I've always said it. If you ask the internet how to say it, 
like the word itself because it's a real word. It says Firenze, but but I don't uh, know how you say it in the movie. Uh, but like I don't even remember if he's a character in the movie or if they just use a different name, Centaur. Oh, um, well, right because it's like. It's an Italian word, so it's like Hermione or Epitome or whatever, where it ends in an E and you pronounce the E because it's like Greek and Italian. That's like how that works. Well, then let's go with Forenzi, then. If you're okay with it, let's yeah. say Forenzi. I just think it's nicer to say it that way. That's fair. Um, Forenzi was a very helpful, uh, I'm going to say a unicorn, Jesus, a very helpful <laughs> centaur. Um, also apparently hot as fuck because he's described as having astonishingly blue eyes by Harry. Right. And I'm well, like, Harry okay. Harry is like such a baby queer. Like <laughs> this is definitely the first time that we get physical descriptions of boy characters from Harry that are very much like, oh, look at you coming into your sexuality. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's real queer. Um, Harry don't totally. I can't wait that. till we get to book three when Harry cannot stop describing what a babe serious black is. <laughs> <laughs> Which is true. Right. <laughs> we can all agree. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Alright. Yeah. <laughs> my okay, so my next note is remember that time Harry was like, I'm not gonna do any more sneaking around and getting into other people's business for like one point five seconds. <laughs> <laughs> I just like filled up my whole page in my book with like ha 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 ha. It like literally <laughs> lasted like not even a full two pages before he's like s- snooping around. Right. He's like, wait, but maybe what about this? Just, come on, fucker. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> he tried. He tried really hard to be like, I'm going to keep my head down. I mean, he tried like it was a New Year's resolution. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, fair. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, your turn. Um, I actually, I think I, those are all my front page points, so. All right, I just have two more. Harry's all, Neville and Hermione didn't have it as bad as him because they weren't as well known to which I say, shut the fuck up, Harry. Like, you are not inside their heads. You are so conceited. I can't stand you. Hermione's not participating in class anymore, and literally everyone hated her before you and Ron started being her friends. She has it as bad as you. Could right. you just get your head out of your own ass? God. And I, and I feel like same with Neville, where he's already kind of the laughing stock of, like, Gryffindor House, and now that he's done this thing i'm sure it's like i'm sure the teasing neville's teasing has probably gotten worse right yeah i that maybe could have been an editorial but (laughs) it was here so whatever um and then they're in the woods they hear the sound it's described as sounding like a cloak slithering over dead leaves one second later, Harry Hagrid is like, I've never heard anything like it, while walking with two students who are probably wearing cloaks, which are slithering over dead leaves. Which I just find annoying. That's all. I'm annoyed by that. You know, actually, I did notice that part, and I was kind of like, that's weird. He should have been immediately been like, oh, that's a cloak. Someone with a cloak is in the woods. Right. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, maybe he couldn't hear their cloak slithering over the leaves over the sound of his own clomping. (laughs) Welcome to the politics section, where we talk about things that are fucked up. Can we start just by talking about Neville? Yes, my sweet baby Neville. Again, another fucking chapter where his name does not go by without me writing a sad face in my book. He cries for hours after they get in trouble. He's just in bed crying. Harry's laying there just listening to him, which fuck off, Harry. Get up. Go help your friend. Just so sad. Also, Neville thinks that, like, Harry was making fun of him and, like, pulling him on and, like, trolling him like everyone else is trolling him. And it's like, dude, you could have been, like, at least been, like, I wasn't trolling you, Neville. I'm sorry. You know? Right. Exactly. Like, he tried to convey it with his eyes, but then he didn't go, like, go over to his fucking bed and be like, hey, buddy, it's okay. Stop crying. Hey, I promise we were not fucking with you. I'm so sorry this happened to you. Like, thank you for coming and trying to warn us. No. God damn it. Yeah. I do like the way Harry talks to us about Neville, like how bad he feels about it. The fact that in the forest, he's like, if something happened to Neville, he'd never like forgive himself or whatever, because it was his fault that he was there. It just makes me so sad that he doesn't talk to Neville about it. Like, right. This sweet little, I just want to like squeeze him and like take him into my arms and like, just like force feed him cakes i don't know i just want to take care of him so badly and no one is taking care of him like mcgonagall had no right to send him into the fucking forbidden forest like don't this child is already traumatized enough like the like the tenderest of all of your children all of the first years and you're like it's cool let me uh just send you into the forest which is even more fucked up because she thinks that harry was trolling neville but he still gets in trouble like she should have just been like neville like shouldn't have gotten in trouble like really for this or at least his trouble should have been like so much less like i don't know helping sprout you know do something or i don't know like just just much much I get, I mean, she's very stern and I think she's just like trying to set a precedent for what happens if you're out of bed after hours, but like, I don't know, context matters and like, yeah, he's like just a little baby. I know he needs to like, someone needs to hand him like two puppies that he can just like hold to him. I know. Just sad faces. (laughs) Poor Neville. I wonder if I'll actually cry about Neville by the time we're done with this podcast. If it'll 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 manifest within me as more than just drawing a sad face. <laughs> um. Yeah. What do you have in politics? Um. I feel like it's legit that the centaurs like don't tell anyone shit because I feel like the wizards are shitty to centaurs. Oh yeah. I mean. Wizards are just crap to non-human magical creatures, full stop. I do, however, feel like preventing the fucking rise of Voldemort should maybe be, you know, a, a override, an exception to the rule. <laughs> I think Ferenzi was right. 
Right. And I feel like it's it's also interesting because I just because the book makes it seem like Forenzi is so much younger than the other centaurs that we meet in this chapter. So I mean, it could just be a thing where he's just like Forenzi is as like the youthful, you know, idealist. Like, like oh, maybe we shouldn't, maybe we should get involved in this upcoming war, right? Um, bec- I mean, I don't really remember if anything directly happens to the centaurs in the later books. But, like, if Voldemort had won, it wasn't like he was going to leave them in the forest to hang out. Like, he would have murdered them all. That's probably, probably. true. Yeah. Um, I'm going to talk about this invisibility cloak again. First, just, I wrote, Jesse was right, they are banned. Because uh, Harry's like, if that they had known about the cloak, he thinks he would have gotten expelled again. But uh, for sure, they're not allowed at school. I mean, for good reason. But then I, so like, if Dumbledore is the one who found the cloak, which they essentially left in a classroom that's used daily, does that mean, which NSA alert, that he was invisibly following them when they're dragging a fucking dragon up to the top of the astronomy (laughs) tower? I think the answer is yes. And also, I think that this fucking detention was his idea because I think that he is literally just playing chess with all of these people. Um, I think that you are correct about all of those things. Yeah, I mean, all the all the all those portraits. It seems impro- it seems very improbable that no one noticed them carrying a literal dragon. So Dumbledore following them invisibly, but also making sure they didn't ever run into like any of the staff and that like none of the portraits are like literally what the fuck's in this smoking snarling crate that you're carrying <laughs> through the castle. Yeah. I, and I, I feel like he, he must be responsible for this detention. I don't know. I feel like he must've like dropped the, like dropped it with Hagrid, right? Like, Oh, you know, this thing with the unicorns, we should, we could have some, students help you you know there's some kids who have detention i'll you know talk to minerva i'm sure this will be very beneficial for us solving this problem i mean i know we're gonna get into it so much more in detail but like even just logistically it there's no other way it makes sense to have 11 year olds accompany hager doing this like literally what are they gonna do if something happens like they can't do anything but shoot up sparks out of their wand right. you know so like <laughs> yeah all right let's not get into that because it yeah we have so much to say about it um yeah so what what else goes here in in politics yeah that was my only not education related point <laughs> the only other thing that i have is just that we get our first taste of werewolf prejudice here um oh yeah which is which is interesting. Um, you know, presumably everyone in the witching world knows that werewolves are like humans almost all of the time. And if they're like, I heard werewolves live in the woods, that means that their expectation of werewolves is that they like, I don't know, even as humans are like, like wild and like, just like running through the forest or whatever. And I don't know, sleeping in dens, who knows what they think, but that's uh, pretty fucked up, so. Yeah. 
Welcome to the editorial section, where we rant about stuff. I just want to talk a little bit about drinking unicorn blood. <laughs> Which okay. is like... And it's like... Like, I wonder who discovered this, because I'm just like, in what situation besides this specific situation would anyone ever be drinking unicorn blood? I mean, they fucking pull heartstrings out of dragons and put them in wands, so who this knows what's happening in this goddamn society. This is true. But then I'm also like, I mean, what if, like, you know, you're harvesting some unicorn hair, and the unicorn has, like, a cut on it, and if you, like, if you lick it, do you still live a cursed half-life? Like, I'm just kind of like... What, and you, like, get blood on you and, what, like, wipe your lips or something? I don't know. Or if you're just like, will this make me feel healthy? I don't know. Like, <laughs> will this cure my ailments? I don't know. Right. I mean, that's probably how how it was discovered. Well, maybe. Or, I mean, like, let's just, let's make, let's acknowledge the fact that, like, people, like, trophy hunt fucking elephants, which I feel like are the unicorns of the muggle world, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um... And, like, not even for survival, just to, like, cut off their fucking tusks or, like, say that they killed an elephant. Mm -hmm. So, humans suck. And, of course, they killed unicorns and, like, drank their blood to see if it made them, like, more virile or something. You know, this actually does bring up an interesting point about how they, how do wizards extract unicorn horns from the unicorns? I'm hoping that they're, like that they like fall off like antlers mm. that would make sense actually that's my hope or they you know are super fucking rare and they only get them off of dead unicorns but no. let's just hope they fall off yeah yeah okay um my last part of this editorial is i just i love the whole drama of forenzi describing what unicorn blood to, does to you like, you will live but a half-life, a cursed life, from the moment the blood touches your lips. And I was thinking how that feels like my experience binge drinking cheap alcohol in my 20s. <laughs> like, living a cursed half-life where it's like, you're drunk, but what is the price? <laughs> That's a very good point. So if anyone at home wants to experience what drinking unicorn blood is like, just mix Boone's Farm, pop-off vodka, and the cheapest juice at your local liquor store no. together, no. and you will feel no. like you live a cursed half-life. Oh my god. <laughs> when I was it, like going to punk shows and stuff like that, the, the big popular drink was um, a sidewalk slam, which... I, if I'm remembering correctly, it was Arizona iced tea and Miller High Life mixed together. Ugh. Is that true? I don't know. I've not heard of this, but yeah. that wouldn't surprise me. I, I think I only like had drinks of other people's. My MO at punk shows was um, just drinking an entire bottle of wine out of the bottle. I wonder if you can... I wonder if this was like just my local punk scene or if this is like a thing if i look it up sidewalk slam malt liquor oh so this says with an alcoholic energy drink so 
you know, maybe in hippie town, you replace it with Arizona iced tea. Because... It's not a Red Bull. No. That's funny. Actually, yeah, I won't lie. Real. I do still drink Miller High Life. I would if I could drink beer at all. It's really the least offensive cheap beer. huh? I said everyone weep for me. If I put beer, wine, or hard cider in my mouth, I can make it about halfway through before I vomit for like five hours and then feel like I drank an entire bottle of rum for the entire next day. Who knows what that is? Thanks, body. Oh, no, I didn't realize that's why you stopped. That's awful. (laughs) And bodies are the worst. Bodies are the worst. Um, My, uh, wait, are you done? I'm done. Okay. My first editorial is that Hagrid needs to step the fuck up and go tell McGonagall why these kids were out of bed at night. Like, he is a grown man. It is so upsetting to me that he doesn't just go be like, look, I'm sorry. I realize that this is a ridiculous thing that I'm about to tell you, but it's true. I don't know why I didn't bring the dragon to the top of the astronomy tower. I could have carried it over one fucking shoulder, but I let these children do it. And I'm sorry. Please give them their house points back. I feel like I don't blame Hagrid for not saying anything because that definitely would have gotten him fired. No, and then he would be fired and homeless. He, no, it wouldn't. (laughs) Dumbledore is responsible for firing Hagrid. It would not have gotten him fired. It would have maybe gotten him a stern talking to. Honestly, I feel like maybe it was Dumbledore's idea that Hagrid let the kids do it. I mean, honestly, maybe. Or even if, like, Hagrid would have told them, D- Dumbledore probably still would have done this exact same stuff. Be like, well, they need they need to learn. We'll give them a detention in the forest. Hunting something, <sighs> killing a magical creature that can outrun werewolves? Like, cool. Uh, that's, a, that's an idea. I mean, sure, whatever. But even if they still got detention, I just... I'm not going to forgive Hagrid for this one. It's not okay. (laughs) He didn't own up to the fact that it was his fault that this happened. These are his fucking friends. Like, they're his friends. And he's letting them be, like, punished, not just, like, being in trouble with McGonagall and getting detention, but, like, being punished by literally the entire school. I'm I'm mad at him. We're in a fight. (laughs) I mean, I don't know if this is going to... I'm going to leave most of this for education, but there does seem to be a very strong thread of almost like Hogwarts hazing-like tradition (laughs) going on, where it's like, oh, these kind of things have been happening for generations. You just got to, like, live through it. And it's like, that doesn't make it correct. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's definitely education. My next one is, why do they even care that Snape is trying to steal the stone? Who gives a fuck? Why does this matter at all to them besides the fact that they don't like Snape? What a ridiculous waste of time and energy. Yeah, it's weird that it's like, oh, I didn't want Snape to get it because he wants the stone to be rich. And it's like, was that your motivation this entire time? Because that's real weak. (laughs) Right. It's like... 
That is definitely not enough of an incentive to spend the amount of like labor that they are spending to try and do this. I don't, yeah, I don't fucking get it. I don't know what they're doing. They're very strange children. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think really in general, the, the plotting in this book is definitely not as tight as it is in later books. Right. Where it's like, yeah, like there are things that happen that don't really make sense, but it happens so that the plot moves along. Right. Where I think in later books, like part of what makes them good is that like, you know, throughout the books, it's like things happen. And then when something like this comes up, you're like, oh, I see now why Harry's invested and why you're, you know, trying to do this thing and why there was some misunderstanding. But like in this book, it's kind of like. Yeah, it is. It's all very like all over the place. Hand motions that cannot be on audio. (laughs) Okay. So that, like, rolls into one of my other editorials, which you kind of mentioned earlier, but, like, I actually feel very strongly about all of the information that Forenzi feeds to Harry. Like, it's really weird. It's very convenient. It's weird the way that he does it where he wants to pretend like he's not feeding him the information by just like asking leading questions yeah um i i don't know why he does this it's like he wants to encourage harry to continue making these very very dangerous decisions and this this is an 11-year-old child. I mean, it's hard to say because this is definitely like... Like, Forenzi's role in this is just to, like, info dump, info dump to us, the audience, and to Harry a little bit, you know? So, like, I feel that's why it reads so weirdly, you know? Yeah. Um, this, like, if he feels if he feels compelled to set himself against Voldemort or whatever, he says like, go to Dumbledore, buddy. Don't talk to this freaking child. Mm -hmm. That's not good decision-making. It's not appropriate. I just, I am not having it. Everybody just needs to stop like leading these children to what, really by all means should be certain death i mean it could also be like a weird not like a weird but like a like a cultural difference you know where it's like you're young enough to be in the forest like you can talk to me you, sh- you need to know these things that i'm interpreting from the stars and maybe just not realizing how young harry is because it's like you know, uh, horses can walk like an hour after they're born. Like, who knows what centaur development is like? I can't wait to talk about like. this in health and science in a second. <laughs> Are you going to bring up? There's a comic about this on the internet. I know. I'm going to okay. bring that up too. That's right. great. Yeah. <laughs> We're so, put it on uh, so yeah. I mean, maybe just it might just be a thing where like forensics doesn't know enough about wizard society to be like 
give appropriate advice. He's kind of just like, well, you're Harry Potter. A lot's been foretold about you. You should probably know some of this stuff. All right. All right, Jesse. Fine. (laughs) Me and my logic. (laughs) Um, All right. Here's my last editorial. Everybody brace yourselves. Malfoy is fucking right. And he should absolutely go tell his father about what is happening right now. I have this as one of my notes because he is right. It's like this is inappropriate. (laughs) Oh, my God. Like, he has an appropriate response to what is happening. Yes. He says it in a really asshole way, but, like, you know, him being, He's like... panicking. Yeah. Like, how else is he supposed to talk? He's like, fuck you, I'm not going in the goddamn forbidden forest. Yeah. I, like... Yeah. No, like, he, he is correct. Like... And also, Hagrid's like, he'd tell you it's always been that way if you told your dad. Like, that might be true, my man, but his dad is also on the board of goddamn governors. And so if we are ready to stop sending children to their deaths for detention, perhaps his father is in a position to make some change here. So yeah, go tell your father, Malfoy, right now. <laughs> like, And like, it's, it's fucked up because like Malfoy is the only child in the situation where if he told his parents, they would actually do something and could do something. Yeah. And it's like, Malfoy, you're an asshole, but your instincts are correct in this situation. You really should have gone back to your common room and written your dad an owl to be like, what the actual fuck? Right. Yeah. Like, whatever repercussions you want there to be for this, let it happen. I'm literally not doing this. Like, this isn't going to happen. I'm not going in this fucking forest. Yeah. So... You know, yeah. 50 points to Slytherin. Great instincts, Malfoy. Yeah. I'm actually a little surprised that, like, Hermione didn't mention something very similar. Unless there's, like... I, I mean... think it's her loyalty to Hagrid that stops her. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Welcome to the health and science section, where we talk about... Things that are loosely related to health and science. I mean, in a fantasy series, health and science is very is a very loose category already. Yeah. Um, can I start? Yes. <laughs> with this sentence. Centaurs are insects. Come at me. <laughs> oh my god, I was thinking about that also <laughs> when I was reading this chapter because I saw that. And I'm like, <laughs> that's legit, actually. They have six limbs. They are. They don't have exoskeletons. I recognize that there are more requirements than six limbs to be an insect, but I am standing by it. Also, they have two entire digestive systems. Probably two sets of lungs. Like, Oh my god. Actually, I need to find it. There is an excellent Twitter thread by a bunch of various kinds of scientists where they're talking about like how the logistics of a centaur would work. Cause it's like, right. Like, do they have two digestive okay, systems? We definitely need to put that online. Oh my God. I need to find that. I'm going to write a note to myself to find that thread. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the definitely consensus was they probably need two hearts because like a horse body and a person body is a lot of, body to pump blood to though i guess giraffes do it so they only have one heart so but a proportionately sized 
I guess yeah. the horse heart could probably power the whole body, but the human heart couldn't. Yeah. Because I mean, I think... the alternative, if they don't have two entire, like, organ systems, is that they have, like, one organ system, which, like, their digestive tract ends in what should then be the elimination part. So they just have, like, I don't know, like, a 15-foot-long, like, colon that <laughs> makes it to the end of the horse. Oh, my God. <laughs> which I don't want to be true. <laughs> Okay, well, fun. Magic, they're powered by magic. (laughs) (laughs) They actually don't have any internal organs. Actually, I feel like part of that thread hypothesized that maybe the human bit was just, the torso was just like, you know, lungs and like all that stuff, but just like muscle, like there wouldn't be the digestive stuff in the human part because that wouldn't make sense. But that's what they eat. That's where the eating happens. So how does it... There's a very long, what, esophagus? Maybe. Can you imagine if your esophagus was, like, as long as from your mouth to, like, where the stomach of a horse is in this circumstance? Oh my God. And you choked? Oh, my God. The Heimlich would be useless. Yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't even know, like, what part to, to squeeze <laughs> to fix oh the situation. Oh, my God. <laughs> Wow. Centaur bodies are pretty horrifying. They really are. What we, uh... Just wait till we get to fucking mermaids. Oh, (laughs) man. That's gonna be a great conversation. Uh, so yeah, we have to put up that cartoon of a baby centaur. (laughs) (laughs) Um, which, for any listeners who haven't seen it it's like assuming that centaurs like the horse part is developmentally like a baby horse but the human part is developmentally like a baby human so it's just these like floppy floppy human babies on like walking around horse legs this is the one you're thinking about right jesse yes okay i'm pretty sure it's an oatmeal comic so oh yeah that sounds right but yes we will post that probably as the teaser of this of this episode yeah uh definitely like i think we're gonna be filling your fucking feeds with <laughs> some centaur art but also it's time for that fucking upsetting voldemort unicorn porn thing that i sent you and i can't wait to post that on our wait social. i'm sorry what when what the like you are what you eat thing it's yeah. it's like it's burned into my brain (laughs) and i like i like it so much but i also feel so upset about it (laughs) okay Uh, yeah Um, whoever whoever made that is a a gene a genius yeah i i think there's a credit somewhere on it like it's signed or something i try to only have us put up memes and stuff like that that has the creator attached to it yeah yeah i try to do something similar also this is a sort of random off-topic question but have you read the chronicles of narnia at all yes all right because i was looking at the wikipedia entry for centaurs okay um and apparently like this i haven't so i haven't read all of the chronicles of narnia i've only actually gotten i think to whatever is after the line the witch in the wardrobe and i'm like "Mm, they're very boring 
Yeah, they're not really as interesting as I feel like I want them to be. Don't don't do it. They're very boring. <laughs> Just yeah. don't do it. Um, but yes, what about centaurs? Oh yeah. So I mean, so the centaurs in uh, Chronicles of Narnia are like really like deep, and they're really into astrology. So I feel like this is sort of what the centaurs in Harry Potter are modeled after, and maybe less like centaurs in greek mythology no centaurs in greek mythology were like scholars like people would people would send their children to them to be educated i'm saying as if centaurs are centaurs are real let's stop right now uh but i mean maybe maybe not all of them but i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure that like this this goes back into greek mythology because i like the Dalier's book of Greek myths, the like one illustrated one that I think everybody had as a kid that I was like obsessed with. Uh, there's a whole thing about like maybe it's just one centaur, honestly, who like taught kids, but um, I do remember that pretty vividly. That's funny that you brought up that illustrated Greek myths because uh, I follow a lot of queer comic book artist and like queer like indie webcomic artist on twitter and a lot of them had said that that was sort of their the root of their like love and desire to like want to draw comics because it's like it was easily accessible and available and it wasn't labeled like a comic book so like everyone just had it and i'm like that's actually really cool yeah my my fifth grade teacher who was like to this day, one of the best teachers I've ever had. We did a unit on Greek mythology, and it was, like, every day when we got back from lunch, she would, like, turn the lights down. We would all put our heads down on our desks, and she would read us a myth from that book. That's so awesome. Yeah, and she called it as the stomach turns, like, as the world turns, but because it starts off with Kronos eating his children. That's hilarious. Yeah, it was great. And I got like completely obsessed. Um, I was very into Persephone because I've just always been goth. <laughs> no, I mean, she's definitely the most, one of the most goth. That's like one of the most goth stories of them all. Yeah. So. I became obsessed with like eating pomegranates and I got to play her in this like little play that we put on at the end of the unit, whatever. Um, Amazing. That's my story about greek mythology <laughs> uh do you have any more centaur stuff or do you want to get into your unicorn stuff um i just have one more thing about centaurs that i learned also from wikipedia today okay is that there are two different words for lady centaurs you have uh centaurus which is <laughs> awful and then i actually am not sure the pronunciation but centaurides huh um why do we need different words i i don't know i literally don't know it's like if i needed to call jezebel a dog s i know it's so weird um also in the harry potter books there are no lady centaurs which we will get into with umbridge and the world's most upsetting politics section yeah yeah that's gonna suck it's really gonna fucking suck um we're gonna we're gonna have 
some trigger warnings for that one. Yep. I remember that one time that Nicole was like rereading the books for the first time in forever and she texted us and was like, you guys, these centaurs are like so great. I'm so into them. And we both were like, just temper that because you're going to get to the end of the book and you're going to not feel so good anymore. And she was just like, no, (laughs) why? Yeah, it is really upsetting because it's like they, I mean, like they are like very crushable until the end of book five and then you're like oh why yeah why it's why would you do that? right because they're really fun like i i'm into everything about the way that they like talk to the wizards and whatever like their particular kind of like asshole is niche ash you know words being jerks uh but who boy does that all come to a crashing halt yeah, An I irredeemable mean, halt. Right. It's like, I mean, rip dudes who are into astrology, that sounds cool. But <laughs> yeah. It's very much my type, but uh, yeah. Anyway. Unicorns. Unicorns! Um, you guys, unicorns are rad. Unicorns <laughs> are so rad. I don't know if you know this, but gay people like unicorns. <laughs> I'm going to make a collage of my unicorn collection that we can put on socials. Oh my god. I don't know. I feel like unicorns are like in the top five animals that like queer people love, Uh are obsessed with. Yeah. And I mean, there's precedence for that because people for a really long time have been obsessed with unicorns. You know? Uh, They show up a lot in the Middle Ages. There's that famous tapestry of the like horse of the horse the unicorn with a really long horn sitting in like a pen like covered in flowers and they're associated with jesus and like the virgin mary and a lot of religious iconography um hilariously um the reason why there's a lot of unicorns in the bible there are unicorns in the bible well there's some translations where they make mention of unicorns but it's an actual mistranslation from a like Hebrew word that's like you know a sort of like really powerful mystical animal that's probably an ox of some kind but fascinating somewhere in translation of the bible they're like unicorn's a perfectly fine word I had no idea and like also like narwhals like whenever people are like back in the day it's like oh we have a thing made of a unicorn horn it was inevitably the horn of a narwhal you which are also went like to real. that the narwhal unicorn exhibit at the museum in paris yes i sure did yes if you would also like to know more about the connection between narwhals and unicorns you should go to paris <laughs> just go head to over the, to paris to the <laughs> natural, natural history museum <laughs> which you should because it's a really it's really cool to go to paris and also to go to their really cool natural history museum also um, I, uh sorry go ahead I was going to say I have some photos from that exhibit that I will post on social because that's yeah. really cool. Me too. We should definitely like put together a little slideshow for yeah. our audience of of all of those things. Uh, I was going to say the Natural History Museum in Paris was the first time that I saw... So I don't know if this is true. I think it was the first time that I had ever seen like natural history museum taxidermy where the male animals were intact. And I actually, since then, I think that I 
have seen others, but I think that they're always positioned in such a way that it's not super obvious, which just isn't true in Paris. But also in Paris, they're just sort of like out and <laughs> not like behind glass. So that's rad. Like, I think I realized it when I was like literally standing basically beneath a giraffe and looked up and was like, that's a lot of dick. Like, holy yeah. shit. <laughs> Uh, but whatever. Anyway, I thought that was really weird that we're like such prudes in the U.S. that we're like trying to hide the fact that <laughs> animals have genitalia. You know, I had that exact same thought, but at, I don't remember which art museum we were at. It was not the Louvre, but it's another famous art museum where I'm like, wow, I've seen so much, so many more dicks <laughs> in this art gallery than I've ever seen at literally any of the art galleries, I've, like any of the museums I've been to in the United States. And right. I'm like, wow, Americans are really prudish. We like, really are. So, yeah, there's a really great, I have a photo of this too, like homoerotic, like sort of like, you know, Jesus and the apostles hanging out where like all the apostles are just naked and like chilling and like cuddling. And I'm like, <laughs> gay Jesus, yes. This is, <laughs> this, is the, this is the quality content that I've traveled to Europe to see. <laughs> Okay, great. Yeah, we're gonna you're gonna get a great peek into our lives from this episode, listeners. I I really am gonna put up a collage of my unicorn collection, which started when I was like four or five and has been greatly modified since then. Many of them now are quite upsetting. I like them a lot. Um but the, yes, this has been an ongoing love and I will also include my unicorn tattoo which i got when i was 30 but was the first tattoo that i ever wanted when i was five and it's a sticker that i had when i was five and i was like this will be my first tattoo and i realized that 25 years of wanting the same thing is definitely enough time to wait before getting a giant unicorn tattoo so yeah totally yeah um i think my favorite thing that is the the velvet painting is of a unicorn right yes that, I think that's my favorite unicorn thing in your house is because, like, a beautiful giant velvet painting of a unicorn. Just so beautiful. Yeah, I think it's only been topped at this point by that, like, gold, glittery, terrifying unicorn doll that my stepdad got me for Christmas <laughs> that, like, wasn't even for sale at the store that he bought it from. I don't know how he convinced the the proprietor to part with this like handmade terrifying <laughs> object but uh what else do we have to say about unicorns um unicorns are great uh i guess the only thing else i want to say is that uh there's this book the natural history of the unicorn where if you want to know more about people misunderstanding things and then calling them unicorns <laughs> You can uh, read that book. It's pretty rad. Cool. I'll link to it in our show notes. Welcome to Corrections, where we correct things. I only have one correction. It's very short. Hagrid 100% knows about werewolves and would not think that there would be werewolves living in the forest. That's it. Yeah. Do you have any corrections? I don't have any corrections. This has been corrections. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Gaily Prophet. 
make sure you tune in next week because next week you are going to get an education expose where you hear all about all of the things that right now you're like, wait a second, they didn't talk about the most important things in the chapter. That's uh, coming up. Oh. Don't you worry. Yeah, we're, we'll get, we're getting there. Yep. You're going to get an entire episode just on that. So it's going to be great. You're going to love it. You can, you should follow us on social media. I don't know how many times we have to say it. You guys, you have to be following us on social media. So many good things are happening on social media. There is a significant visual component to this newspaper. You will miss out on the Saturday morning comics, our new Sunday morning. Well, it's not new by the time you're listening to this, but (laughs) Sunday morning pet posts every, uh, so like pets of the Gaily prophet coming your way every Sunday. Um, episode art, other ridiculous Photoshop. We put up a Photoshop thing of the today's headlines for every episode. You just, you know, you gotta, you gotta be following us. It's just the way it is. Um, and you can do that Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, all at the Gaily Prophet. Also, you should check out uh, check us out on Patreon. We have an free episode of our Patreon exclusive gossip brag, which weekly. And going forward, we'll you know be having lots of exciting content on our Patreon. So if you feel like supporting us, supporting queer content, supporting us bringing this lovely podcast to your ears, you should uh, check us out over there. Yeah. A free way for you for you to support us. Consider leaving us an iTunes review. Uh, it really helps us, kind of, you know, get exposure. It helps other people see that, you know, we have fans and that we are a highly rated podcast and we'll be more inclined to listen. Uh, writing a review can be as easy as just saying, I love you guys. I love this show. Maybe just a series of heart emojis. So if you can, take some time and just rate and review our podcast. Please help us out. <laughs> if you want to follow me between episodes, you can find me on Instagram at Lark Malachi and at Radical Healer. I almost never post anything on my work Instagram, you guys. It just, I don't like to. <laughs> <laughs> but when I do... You know, it's good stuff to look at, so you can follow me anyway. Just I won't clutter up your feet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can also find me on my website, which is larkmalakai.com, L-A-R-K-M-A-L-A-K-A-I.com, where you can learn about the work that I do with nutrition and coaching and stuff. Uh, I like to just call it what I do to make people feel better. I also do trans inclusivity trainings for healthcare providers. So if you have a healthcare provider who could be better at trans inclusivity, head over there, click the little nominate my doctor button at the very top. It'll take you to a form that you can fill out to just be like, this is a doctor that could be better at being good at trans stuff. And I won't tell them your name, but I will contact them and tell them that someone wants them to get this training. So do that because it will make the world a better place. (laughs) <laughs> very true if you want to follow me between episodes um i'm on twitter at jesse underscore detroit and i'm on instagram at live from detroit uh and email us at the gaily prophet at gmail.com we really like hearing from you uh throw any questions or comments or you know your angry feelings about how down on slytherin we are all the time uh <laughs> 
just take that over there. We definitely want to hear from you. Until next time. Collateral damage. Astrology. Pariah. Palomino. Hogwarts detention policies shocks blip start over. <laughs> I told Nicole that this podcast is my other girlfriend, so <laughs> not that this yep. podcast has a gender, but that's it's definitely my other partner <laughs> right yeah. now. <laughs>